Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. As we jump into week two of Hack, we're actually going to be talking about emotions. We're going to be talking about how we respond. And, and uh, just a few minutes ago, our lead pastor just talked about how we're in week two. We, week one, we talked about decision making. And week two, we're going to talk about emotions. Again, my name is Carlos Ortiz, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it's always a pleasure and honor to bring God's word in, in a fun and challenging way for our church. And so I uh, just want to make sure, we've already done this, but we, it's never too bad or too much to do this. If you're a first-time guest or you just started coming this summer, I want you to know we're glad that you're here. I'm meeting so many people who are moving and relocating. I just want to challenge you. There's ways to get connected here at Timberlake. So just make sure I said that, put the disclaimer out, and uh, we are glad that you are here. So as we jump into week two, we're going to talk about emotions. And, and last week I, I did talk about decision making. And as I cast a vision from our lead pastor, from Ben, about this series and, and this desire he had to really be honest I wanted to take a moment to, again, be honest uh, with us here at Timberlake, whether you're watching online or you're at a campus, you're right here at Redmond. And that is this. Uh, Pastor Ben and I, because we do most of the communication in our church, a lot of times people reach out to us uh, directly or stop us in the lobby. And uh, there's a reason why he wanted to do this series. And he's going to close out the series the next few weeks. And, and here's why. Because we get to see up front um, the issues that are facing the people of Timberlake. Whether you've been here a month or ten years, life hacks seem to be no respecter of person. Age, race, gender, where you're at in life. And so last week, is, as we were doing this and talking about this, just hearing your stories and yet hearing the humility in, in, in the voices of the people of our church saying, this is something I'm going through. I really need to sit and listen and really understand what happens when life happens. And so if you weren't here last week, we talked about we weren't really going to address the life hacks and the things that come against you. Well, we're going to talk about our response our response to the things that try to derail us or rob us of the joy. Our response to that thing that destroys plan A. How do, respond, how do we respond accordingly? So last week again we talked about decision making. And this week about your emotions. And so one of the things I want to challenge you in this series especially. As I'm speaking, as Ben comes back and closes out the series is. These notes are going to be very practical as most series are. But this, this, this month, we're really going to put some things in there for you to, to really wrestle with throughout the week. Whether it was homework last week and this week, there's a little diagram we're going to work through. And the things that Ben will bring. It's really important for you to follow along in the notes and use them as something for post-service or post-online. So during the week, you're growing in your faith. So take those out. Let's follow along. And I want to talk about uh, our, our emotions. And so uh, my, my wife and I were married a couple of years, and uh, we were young, and we, we had one kid. And like most couples, we're struggling financially, trying to figure out what we're going to do, and really intentional about our money. And uh, so uh, we, I was balancing our checkbook. Remember when you balance your checkbook? And I actually had my checkbook register out, and I actually had my statement that was mailed to me out. That's how old I am. I still did that. And uh, we were going through all of it, and uh, we were off. And when I say off, 
we were off quite a bit for somebody who's 24 years old and a new kid. Uh, we were off by $2,500. That's a lot of money. Now, most of you are thinking we were off because we were down $2,500. No, we were off because there was an extra $2,500 in the account. And I was freaking out. Because I had just watched a service. I grew up Pentecostal. So I was watching this service. There's this preacher who said that she had been broke when she was younger. And she, God told her to go to an ATM and pray over the ATM. And the ATM started spitting out money. I was like, okay, I'm going to try that. Now I'm embarrassed. I'm not going to tell you how many times I tried that. But I did. It didn't work. But then all of a sudden, $2,500 show up. I'm like, oh, there is a God. Oh my gosh, this works. And, and then I, I, my natural response was, because I know it wasn't my money, let's pull it out before somebody else does. Some of you are thinking the exact same thing. But the right thing to do was, hey, hey, honey, did you deposit some money? Did something happen? She had no idea. I went through the whole thing again. And then I did what I didn't want to do. I told to myself and called the bank. Hey, there's extra money in my account. And you know what they told me? 24-year-old young person with a kid, very little money. Sir, we need you to sit on that money. You cannot access it for 30 days. Are you kidding me? That's my money now. If nobody wants to claim it, I'm going to take it. But the right response was to say, you know what? This might belong to somebody else. And if I take it, they don't get it. And so I sat on it for 30 days. Gave my wife my debit card so I wouldn't access it, right? Because I really wanted to take the money out because we needed it. See, in that moment, my response, even to a good hack, wasn't what I really wanted to do. What I really wanted to do was hoard the money, keep it to myself, even though I had not earned one cent of it. And how many times do we respond from what we feel we should respond? And how many times do we definitely stop and think and say, how should I respond? You see, we have to be aware of our normal and natural response to the unexpected. It's our responsibility. We can't look at our kids or grandkids, if you're a teacher, the kids in your classroom, and say, you need to take a deep breath, you need to do this. I do breathing drills with my kids to teach them just to calm down, don't overreact. And yet I'm telling myself, you need to do a breathing drill, Carlos, calm down. Do we live out an awareness of who we are. And that was one of the questions last week. How do you naturally respond? And there's this, there's this cycle of emotional intelligence or emotional awareness that I use in training staff, that I use when I'm talking to couples sometimes who are having a lot of emotional over-responding to each other in their marriage. We're going to share that today. It's a very practical thing I want us to walk away with. And if you look at your notes, here you go. Here's the first question. What am I feeling? What am I really feeling? Can I put... Can I really, do I really understand, is this anger, is this fear, is this doubt, is this worry? I mean, there are thousands of words we could use to describe what we're going through. Can you put the appropriate word there? And the appropriate word matters. It's like when you ask your husband or wife, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Nothing. No, they're thinking something. And maybe they can't find the word, but... There's something there. So what am I feeling? The next question is, why am I feeling it? Why am I feeling that way? And I know, gentlemen, you hit your, your, you know, your word limit for the day. You know, you're done talking. But you have to do the work of pushing past that because your partner, your kids, your, your business, your coworkers need to know why is it you're feeling what you're feeling. Why? And maybe you're not really mad at your wife. 
Maybe she or your boss or somebody said something that triggered a different emotion. Maybe it came from when you were 10 or 11 years old. I'm prideful. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. You know where that comes from? It wasn't because I'm wired like that. It's because my dad and I had that kind of relationship. My dad loved telling me what to do, and my job was to say no all the time. And that was our relationship. And so as a kid, I developed this ability or inability to listen. And I've had to outgrow that as an adult. Why am I feeling that emotion? The third question is, what am I projecting? And most people, when it comes to self-awareness, only ask the first two questions. What am I feeling and why? But do we ever stop to ask the question, what am I projecting to that person? Have we ever stopped and asked our kid, our boss, a coworker, our loved ones, our mom, dad, roommate, hey, what did I, repeat to me what I just said and how did you take that? What am I projecting? A lot of times we don't do that because we're taught in our culture, I think, Therefore I am. And really it's I feel, therefore I am. That's why we have social media issues that we do. I feel what I feel. I spew it out to everybody. And I'm not going to worry about what I'm projecting. But to have a true awareness, we have to know what we're projecting. And the first question is this. How is that person taking what I projected? See, we really don't want to go there, right? Because now we have to be vulnerable and open to how that person is responding to our response. Now, why is that important? Why are these four questions important? Because if we don't do that, here's what happens. That fourth question, how is somebody taking it? It goes back to the first question, how am I feeling? And we begin this cycle of dysfunction with our emotions. And it goes over and over. And some of us can go through that cycle of dysfunctional emotions for years. I was talking to a gentleman a few years ago, uh, and, and uh, he's probably in his mid-50s, and, and we were talking, and he looked at me, he's like, you're a kid, how are you going to help me and my wife? I said, I don't know, but I have a, a few tools, let's see if we can help. And in that conversation, she began to share some things about how he was responding emotionally, how she was afraid to confront him on some things because how he would just explode, and he was just, how, how he did things, and, and he began to cry. 55 years old, started crying. And I said, I said, is what she's saying hurting you and bothering you? And, and uh, he goes, it's not what she's saying. You know what it is? He said, after over 25 years of marriage, it's the first time I'm hearing it. I've done this for 25 years. The same scar, the same words, the same language. That's why these questions are important for self-awareness. To understand how am I hurting sometimes myself or other people? And now, in the context of hacked, why is it important? Because these become heightened when we're going through life's tough issues. These emotions get heightened. And we have to process it. So, that's a very practical, if you want to call it secular, relational way of looking at it. How does this affect our spiritual life? How does this affect our spirit man, our spirit person on the inside that God's put inside of us. Because all of us respond differently in tough situations, spiritually. 
Some of us, when we're facing a tough task, we want to run away spiritually. We don't want anybody to know we're not going to go to church anymore. We're going to take a break, a time out. We're not going to go to our growth group. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that because we need alone time. And others of us do the opposite. We're going through a tough time and you ask for prayer and you go to your growth group and you reach out to Pastor Ben or myself or somebody on our team and you ask for help. We all have natural responses and here's what I want you to know. Your natural response is not necessarily a bad response. It just shouldn't be the final response we have. It's okay that every once in a while you lose it and you may say something you don't, but can you catch it quick enough to have a different response to your natural, carnal, earthly response? So what does this mean for us? So we're going to go to Colossians, and go ahead and take out your notes, and we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. And a little context before we dive in, and that's Paul, who's writing Colossians, uh, wrote most of the New Testament, he, he's writing to this church, and the first two chapters are all about Jesus. Jesus' sovereignty, Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus being the Son of God, and he really is God, and really this high view of Jesus. And he takes a turn in chapter 3, and that's what we're going to go here. Chapter 3, he goes from talking about Jesus, and you know what he does? He has the audacity to dive into our business and tell us how we should respond with our emotions. And as somebody who doesn't like, like being told what to do, sometimes it's hard to read this material. I mean, listen, in our church we have a lot of successful people, highly educated people. Most of us don't like being told what to do. And we're about to read a chapter where all Paul does is tell us what to do. So I want you to humble yourself, open your heart. Let's read the words from Colossians 3. Here we go. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above. Notice what he says. Set your heart and your mind on things above. The Bible a couple of times talks about having sober mind. That means do I take enough time to not be drunk on the emotions of life? Some of us get drunk on the emotions we feel of sadness or anger or frustration we, we get drunk on it. How do you know you're drunk on it? Because you try to find your favorite song that makes you feel really sad and you put it on repeat. Remember when you were 15 and somebody broke up with you and you put that song on repeat over and over and over because it just, you wanted that, so you wanted to delve into the emotions. And Paul's saying, wait, wait, wait. Let your heart and your mind be set on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Right there in your notes, write this down. Our earthly nature must die in light of life in Christ. That sounds heavy to me. This language of death. Like, you want me to die? But let me give you a little context. You just saw this weekend, we're going to have baptisms in a few weeks. And anytime you or I have been baptized, or you're considering baptism, there's two things that happen. One, it's a next right step for your walk in Christ. Because you're saying the old me is going to go under the water. And it's a symbol that when I come back out of the water, that old person is now dead. I'm going to work to keep that person dead and find new life in Christ. The second thing it does is it allows your, the community of people who want to be a part of your journey to celebrate with you. So if you're thinking baptism, 
We want you to take that next right step. We want you to do that. It's very exciting. But there's something you're doing when you do that. You're saying, my old is gone. I'm going to die to myself and come back with a life in Christ. And I'm going to do it with people who say they care about me. And I know it sounds heavy. I know it sounds like a lot. But how many times when we're facing a life hack are we trying to salvage the old life? When we forget the perspective that there could be a new life in front of us, even in the middle of the difficulty we're facing. Letting go of the old, taking on the new. So Paul continues, verse 5 through 7. He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Time out. Some of you are now thinking, there we go. That's what I was looking for, Pastor Carlos. That's the thing I didn't want to hear in church. Here we go. We're going through the checklist of right and wrong. We're going through the checklist of how to live for God, how not to live for God. There's the checklist. That I, I'm out. I'm out. But that's not what Paul's doing. What Paul is doing is letting us understand that when we come into Christ, there are things that we're going to grow out of. There are things that we're naturally going to grow out of. Sexual immorality. The appetite for the things that drive us sexually. The things that, that uh, an unhealthy appetite for our sexually driven desires. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but you could do it. I'm asking you not to do it. Uh, you know, as a pastor here, I'm telling you, don't do it. But if you were, you could Google any kind of sexual fetish and there's a community out there for you. Why? Because sometimes we delve into old habits and old things and some of those might be sexually driven because it brings us comfort when we're facing difficulty. The second thing was impurity. Things that do not benefit our relationship with God. The third thing was lust. What is lust? The desire for the other. Greed. A lack of generosity. Greed, that's what it is. It's just a lack of being generous. Do you know trying to earn more money is not a bad deal? It's not a bad deal. Trying to build a business, it's not a bad deal. Trying to go from $10 million profit to $15 million profit is not a bad deal. It's a matter of the heart. Are we generous as we approach the successes of life? And are we generous even when we don't find success in life? I met a couple in our church a few weeks ago. They are talking about that they were going through a lot, you know, through their family and their sickness and their medical bills. And that they were praying and, and they just felt like they were going to continue to tithe in the middle of it. And this was a few years back. And they were just faithful and faithful and faithful. That was their approach to a life hack of sickness, was to be faithful in their finances. And guess what? He's got the best job he's ever had. And they're better off financially than they ever have been. That was their approach to a life hack, was to be faithful and to not be greedy in their hearts, but to be generous. And then there's idolatry. What is idolatry? Just replacing God. Anything that replaces God. And sometimes in our emotions, we can get carried away with our emotions and it replaces so many other things. So many other things. Uh, I, I gave up uh, college football a few years ago. I was six, about six years ago. Now, I still watch college football. I gave up my approach to watching college football. Because my wife, after years of just talking about it, she's like, the whole Saturday is ruined if your team doesn't win. 
and you're yelling at the TV, you're doing what you do. Well, I'm just passionate, babe. I'm passionate. I've, I've followed my team, Michigan Wolverines, my whole life. I, I'm, I go crazy over it. And then at 35, it finally hit me. It dawned on me that my emotions for one whole day a week are dictated by 19-year-olds running around in tights on grass. 35-year-old man, about 10 to 15 pounds overweight, watching 19-year-olds run around in tights, dropping passes, and I'm yelling at somebody else's son on the television and losing my whole day because the emotions of it all robbed me of a day with my family. Now, do I still watch football? Yes. But I've had to learn to manage my emotion because it became an idol in my life. It was replacing the gifts that God gave me, a wife and kids. We have to be careful with those things. Now, Paul continues to go and he says, now we grow out of certain things. But Colossians 3, 8-9 says this, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. The list continues, people. Paul continues, I'm like, wait a minute, you just told me what to do, and now you want to tell me more to do? Rid yourselves of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. There's some things we grow out of. And there's some things we have to intentionally disrobe ourselves from. And it's the vivid language that Paul gives us to take off those things. There's some things we grow out of and other emotions we have to choose to disrobe from. Anger, malice, rage, filthy language, lying. Now why is it important to disrobe ourselves from this? It's a matter of accuracy. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down accuracy. I want you to be accurate. When you're facing difficult times, financial, emotional, physical, there's sickness in your home, that's the time you have to take inventory, a true inventory. Can you imagine going to a dressing room? And when you get into the dressing room, you're trying on that suit for that wedding, you're trying on that dress, and you leave on the outfit you have on. What happens is you have an inaccurate measurement of the new thing you're trying to put on. And as we grow in Christ and there's new things for us, new things for your marriage, new things for your kids, new things for your business, new things for you. Maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Christ. There are new things waiting for you, but we can't do the new while we're wearing the old. It becomes inaccurate. And Paul's challenging us. He's saying, take off the old. What does that imply? It implies a level of nakedness and humility to take off the old. And sometimes that's with our partner. Sometimes that's with a counselor. Sometimes that's at work. It's okay to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel lost in God saying, God, I don't, I don't know what my next step is. It takes a level of humility to disrobe ourselves. And why would Paul want us to walk in that level of humiliation? to disrobe, to tell people what I'm feeling, to truly be aware of where I'm at, to be naked in front of God because of the next one. Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15. Now, clothe yourselves. Once you've disrobed, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a high standard. Unconditional? With all the mess I brought to the table, I'm supposed to forgive other people? And over all these virtues, put on. See, it says put on love. Why? Why do we have to put on love? Because it doesn't come natural for a lot of us. To put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Think about these words. Thankful, peaceful, love, compassionate. As part of your response to your life being hacked? Are you kidding me? You want me to walk in peace when I don't feel peace? You want me to love this other person when they want to divorce me? You want me to have these responses? I know. I don't want to do it either. I don't want to do it. I don't want Paul in my business telling me to be love, to be compassion, to be thoughtful and be patient and walk in peace and have gratitude. You want me to have gratitude for what I'm going through? Does it make any sense, Pastor Carlos? But if you listen to the process of Paul, he says this, we grow out of some things, we intentionally disrobe from other things, and then we put on the virtues of Jesus Christ. And what are those virtues? Compassion, humility, patience. Some of us are going through some things and we're impatient. So our decision making, our emotions are actually making the problem worse than it already is. Gentleness, forgiveness, love, peace, and gratitude. Yeah. Romans 13 says this, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down, Romans 13, 14. And I want you to read that at some point this week. Clothe yourself in Jesus. And I know our culture and our world will say, whatever you feel is totally okay. It is okay as an initial response. But for those of us who love, who love Christ and want to follow Christ or want to grow in Christ, that's not our final destination. We clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. One story, and we're going to close out our service. A few years ago, my son was 15 years old. He's 17 now. He's a man. He's huge. He's just, I can't, I can't believe he's my son. And uh, 15 years old, and he was saving up for this dream pair of tennis shoes. And they're a white pair of high-top vans. I mean, they were, they were really cool looking. He's like, I don't want them off-white. I want them all-white. And they were a purchase for back-to-school. And you know your kid really likes something when he gets in the mail that he won't let anybody touch it until he wants to wear it. That's how special it was. Came in the mail and it was on sale, which is a win-win, right, for him and for me. And what was the prized possession for my 15-year-old? A white pair of high-top vans, which is a pair of shoes, just in case you don't know. You know what that was for my two-year-old? A blank canvas. A blank canvas. And I'm father of the year. I wasn't watching him for about, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes. And uh, for two-year-old, who knows what happens. He had grabbed four Sharpies and was drawing on the shoes. In that moment, I thought, oh, my son, my son is like me. 
he's, going, he's not going to be rational. What do I do as a father? What do I do to help him be rational? He's going to come home, and I don't care if he's 15 and 2, he's going to lose it, and my 2-year-old's going to be scarred for life for my 15-year-old son. Sure enough, son opens the door right after I was trying to think through this. What happened to my shoes? He's trying to lose it. I'm standing between my son who's bigger, weighs more than me, and my two-year-old son trying to protect the two-year-old. And I look at my son. I'm like, son, you can't do anything about it. What you wanted for those shoes is just not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's Sharpie. But what if you took the Sharpie and you went to church and you went to the first day of school and you had all your friends autograph the shoes? And at least you've, you've kind of owned the life hack. A pair of shoes you thought were gone. And so he's like, okay, I'll do it. Let's see what happens. This is dumb, Dad. This is dumb. Max is going to buy me another pair of shoes. He's two, dude. He's two. He's not going to buy. That means I'm buying you a second pair of shoes. That's not going to happen. He comes back from church and school that first day, full of these autographs that you see on your screen. You know what happened to my son? He got more compliments on the pair of shoes that were ruined than he ever would have had on the blank pair of shoes. He just gave in to the hack with the right emotion, the right mindset, and he became something he never would have thought of it being. And I know you're going through things, and I know things come against us, and I know we get pushed and prodded, but I'm telling you, in the middle of what you're going through, God is saying, if your heart and your mind would just align to me, if you will just align it, if you will control your emotions and your decision-making, I can make something beautiful out of this if you will just let me. I know earlier the worship team sang a song about the goodness of God, the love of God will follow us. But sometimes we have to proclaim that for ourselves as we interact with other people. That surely God, your love and your kindness and your compassion will follow me as I am an example to other people of what it means to follow Christ. So here's what we're going to do. Right where you're at, I want you to stand with us. And as we sing this song, we're not just going to ask for God to be with us. Go ahead and stand right where you are. We're going to say, God, be with me as I interact with other people. My decision-making, my emotions, and the way I lead my family, and lead my coworkers, or lead my company. God, be with me as I submit to you in Jesus' name. Let's sing this with faith and with all we have. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness and your patience when we're not good and we're not patient. Thank you for your love when we're not clothed in love. Thank you for all the attributes that according to Paul, he says we can have those attributes if we would just align our heart and our mind, even in the middle of chaos that we're facing, to trust you with our heart, with our mind. With every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're in this room and you say, Pastor Carl's, before I can give love and kindness and mercy to everybody else, I have to admit that I need to receive that for myself. I've never received, I've never allowed myself to receive the love of God. And today I'm willing to humble myself and say, I'm in need of a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. I'm willing to say, I need a Savior. I need that love and that mercy and that kindness for me before I can ever give it to somebody else. If that's you in the room, if that's you online, Will you just do me the honor and the favor of just looking up right where you are? Just look up right where you are. Yeah. 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 Lord, I thank you for those who 
raise their heads today by saying and acknowledging, I need a Savior. Lord, I ask that we at Timberlake Church would, would partner with every person who wants to take that next right step that we would be in relationship with them, that we would be available, whether it's to discover Timberlake, whether it's through baptisms, whatever the next step is. Help us to be available so that we can all grow together in you. I thank you for these people who made that commitment today. I thank you for the rest of us in this room who have faced difficulty, are facing difficulty, and will face difficulty. Help us that, to, to understand when the hat comes to let our mind and our heart be sober-minded, steadfast on you and to clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.